Frank, let me tell you that after last week's podcast, we sat down, you plus me, and debugged and analyzed the performance of my application. So let's give a quick recap there. Last week, we talked about performance monitoring, you know, optimizing your application, all this stuff that you should really be doing that I've never done. And at the very end, I said, this is pretty of the moment because someone said that my application is using a bunch of CPU. And then I ran my application and it was using a bunch of CPU. So then we ended the podcast, Frank, and we used the stuff that we talked about on the podcast. Like we applied 30 minutes of content to debug the issues of my application. Yeah, it was pretty excellent, aside from the fact that I was still dripping sweat by the gallon. I was just dying, James. We had made it through that podcast. Uh, It was a good show. I was excited. And you're like, hey, let's sit down for a couple hours and debug this problem I'm having. I'm like, great, James, great. It was was actually fun because um, we... I think we ended the podcast and we were using like task manager and I was looking at like activity monitor on Mac. And those are great little tools. And I had mentioned sys internals, but what you really want is a good profiler and a good, uh, yeah, a good profiler. Fortunately for you, you have a windows app and since visual studio, what, like 18 or something, every time you hit debug, there's a cool performance graph that comes up. And I was like, James, you just, Go look at what that graph says, because that graph is just going to tell you everything that your app's doing. It's a really cool built-in feature. So we did that. Yeah. And that's the uh, feature that I minimize immediately and I never pay any attention to (laughs) until last week. And then it actually solved it. So this is the timer at my stream timer. Now, there's a legacy here. So for some reason, over the years, as I've added more features and done more things, I used to have a very simple timer mechanism. So system timers would update every second. And I had an issue where, uh, for some reason, when I was in OBS, which is open broadcast software, which is what we use for streaming, uh, how this works and how my stream timer works is it basically writes a current countdown or count up or time to a file. And the reason I do this is because OBS can read from a file and display it. It monitors that file for changes and then updates a label. So this is nice if you have like stream is starting in five minutes. And instead of having to do like a custom animation or render things, uh, you can use my stream timer. And then you can like add minutes or add seconds or count down to a specific time. So it gives you a lot of flexibility and it's very accurate compared to Oh, here's a countdown from three minutes and go. If, if you got to run and make a coffee, you can add, add two minutes and then it can go ahead and add those two minutes up there. It also does countdown and stuff like that. So I think for some reason in my mind, I don't know if it was the timer that I was using or Matthew Leibowitz convinced me to switch over. But over the years, I switched to a like task, ongoing task, just, hey, yeah. you're a task, you're just running, start new task factory and update the timer and run it and run it. And for some reason, I had changed that to, hey, update that to every 300 milliseconds and just output yeah. that to the file. Because I was like, I, I want to be accurate, right? Just keep going. It's it's a good idea. Uh, we, we have to pause and not talk about performance and talk about correctness yes. now for a minute. We have to, because I'm, I'm really interested in this stuff. Um, I did digital controls, and a lot of digital controls is timing and making sure things happen at the right time and all that kind of stuff. So kind of really into all this stuff. 
how uh let's talk about that obs not updating now aside obs is ridiculous if sorry if you don't know what obs is uh open broadcasting system it's like a big video mixer that we all use for broadcasting and that has that weird import thing where you just point it at a file and that's why your app updates the file and then it gets updated on the screen it's a Mm -hmm. janky setup (laughs) so it's a little bit miraculous that it all works but whatever we'll put all that um aside have you ever heard of something called sampling theory or shannon's theory of sampling anything like that i don't think so no Mm. but you've probably heard of aliasing right you've seen that like anti-aliasing anti-aliasing is removing the aliasing yeah so the aliasing you've seen probably is like you try to draw a line on the screen with pixels and it comes out all jaggedy yes call that aliasing that's aliasing anti-aliasing is the technology you use to try to make that look smooth smooth it out yeah smooth it out uh so the problem Aliasing occurs when you have a high-frequency signal and you are sampling it at too low of a frequency. Uh. And what happens is you just miss parts of the signal or you oversample other parts of the signal. You're not getting a good, true representation of the signal. So uh, Shannon's an old mathematician that came up with a theoretical uh, lower limit. If you want to sample a signal you have to sample at minimum twice the frequency of the signal minimum oh, theoretically okay. this is this is mathematics and physics talking you know information theory uh ideally you sample it much higher in fact um eight times 10 times 20 times things like that um and those are just to smooth out the signal even more so what anti-aliasing software does in the video world is it, we're still stuck with the resolution of the screen the resolution of these screens is too low they are uh crossing this threshold that you're supposed to be uh sampling at and so we come up with fake techniques like uh multi-sample anti-aliasing to fix it multi-sample we're taking more samples that's how you fix it more samples so james all that was a very long way of saying if you have a one hertz signal that you're trying to sample and you are it's called a clock beat tick 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 that's a one hertz sample that you are you're trying to sample it minimum you should be sampling at uh two hertz theoretical minimum because you might miss a transition otherwise Mm. you can imagine if you're sampling one hertz at one hertz then it really matters exactly if you are in phase with each other Mm. you have to be resynchronized with each other perfectly for a one hertz signal to sample a one hertz signal it's just not ever going to happen so what you really want to be is two hertz which would mean a 500 millisecond delay you chose a 300 millisecond delay which gives you a a 3x which is good it actually puts you within the sampling theorem limits that's good but honestly for an app like this you can easily do um 10 times a second and really not use much cpu especially if you throw in a few other tricks so all that's to say um it's okay i could even go deeper it's even worse than that because you're you're sampling a digital signal which means it has infinitely strong phase boundaries which means you actually need an infinitely high clock but we won't get into that because it's complicated um (laughs) look up phase lock loops everyone if you're interested in that kind of stuff so all i want to say is yeah the naive approach of a one hertz timer trying to do a one hertz clock tick is not actually your best bet you actually want to be a little bit faster than that uh, unfortunately, you changed the technology and introduced some other bugs along the way while you were doing that. 
So you were very smart and you said, hey, let's let's use the the profiler. Let's see the CPU usage and let's see if, you know, the user is accurate because just because the CPU, you know, and my task manager is showing me that it's at like 5%, is it actually at 5% or is it just timing up and down? Because the ideal scenario is is a heartbeat of this thing, right? So if I'm sampling yeah. every, you know, quarter of a, or every third of a second, ideally we would see a spike up, spike up, spike up. It should just be like spikes, like bump up, bump up, yeah. bump up. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be a plateau because that would be bad. And, and this is really important to do. I, I, I like the scientific method of come up with a hypothesis before you measure. It's just a way more efficient way to get things done because I, I kept saying this to you, James, look for spikes, <laughs> look for a peak and then look for zero peak zero because that's what your app should be doing. It should be waking up, doing a bit of work, really small amount of work, and then going right back to sleep and going back to zero. So we had we both had the same hypothesis. Of we're just looking for a bunch of peaks. And if we don't see a bunch of peaks, then something's wrong. Correct. And in fact, um, we saw the inverse of a peak. <laughs> we saw, we literally Mesas. saw that. We saw Mesas. Mesas. Yes. Um, so that seemed bad in general. And uh, so we tested a bunch of theories and we said, you know, Frank said, well, let's see if there's something wrong with your logic, right? So set that weight to five seconds, right? Or whatever, and see if there's something wrong. How long is this code running for? And when we ran and put it at five seconds, sure enough, we saw larger peaks every five seconds. So we said, oh, that's that's Weird. fascinating. So something awry is, is happening in this code because what you told me then was, James, actually, your app should pretty much not use any CPU at all. It's kind of shenanigans that it should use any CPU because it's idle. It's not updating it's updating a label on the screen and writing to a disk. That should be yeah, the most, fast. it should be a trace amount. Yeah, like it, it should be to the point where the profiler should have a hard time seeing it. So most sampling profilers that we use sample at a uh, one kilohertz, a thousand hertz. So they take a sample a thousand times a second. I'm like, there's a good chance your code should be running under a millisecond in time now you are writing to disk though uh I, I wasn't thinking of that and writing to disk can be painfully slow sometimes and it, it's not your fault as a programmer you're going through eight thousand levels layers of software and you never know cache states and all that stuff um so i did mention other things about compensating for that too but in general it should have been yeah pretty pretty much instantaneous so you know, you gave me the good tip, which is like, we've debugged it. We said that there's a clear issue here. Something is going on. Um, is it is it my loop logic? Is it something else? And we we missed the actual issue, and we'll get to the actual issue. But <laughs> you said, well, like, you know, just change it back to a timer, and let's see if that fixes it. Because sure enough, if you put it on a, a second timer, and if and if it then is being updated every second, for example and you see the issue, then really, really something is wrong because it should, then it should really be a heart, you know, heart tick every single second on the dot. Cause is there a problem with my task? Is there something with the logic or is it something else? So we took the chunk of code. I shoved it into my, uh, into a timer, which I already had set up cause I used it originally flipped on the timer, two, three lines of code change and boom, Frank, it gave me peaks every second peak. Peak, 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 <laughs> peak. 
And it and was more import- good. More importantly, zeros, lots of zeros, because <laughs> your app should not have been doing anything between those peaks. Yeah, and I, I just want to sing the praises of timers real quick. I don't know if people understand these are like fundamental operating system things. Usually, something like um, system system threading tasks, you know, things like that. Those are libraries running on top of very primitive um, operating system primitives <laughs> threading primitives mm-hmm. uh, a timer is usually one of those very primitive things uh, to the point where if you're the operating system if you're the kernel and you are scheduling all these processes to run you keep track of which processes have active timers they are that kind of low level of a function whereas if you're just using threads and you're just spinning in a thread and doing like a thread dot sleep Sure, the operating system sees you have an awake thread, but that's kind of inefficient. You're using up an entire thread resource just for that. It's almost like a secondary process just for that. Whereas it could just be a light little timer that is a fundamental operating system resource that the scheduler knows how to deal with. And the scheduler can be pretty accurate with that timing. If you do like a uh, task.delay1000 meaning I want a one-second delay, you are going to delay for one second and 15 milliseconds or one second and 20 milliseconds. You are never going to um, delay for one second. It's, mm. There's just too much latency in the kernel. It's not a real-time operating system. You're not guaranteed to get woken up at a very specific time unless, James, you use a timer, which <laughs> is designed for a very specific wake-up time. Now, you might still be um, one second and two milliseconds because maybe .NET will have some overhead or um, whatever, some user mode software will have some overhead, or you might get accidentally scheduled out or something like that. But the point I'm trying to make is timers are a nice fundamental low-level kernel thing. And if you can use a timer, I do recommend those over doing a task.delay inside of an infinite task. Even though they're functionally vaguely equivalent, there are some fundamental low-level reasons to prefer one over the other. Well, and the other thing that you told me was sliding time, because what I didn't calculate for when I was um, using my task.delay and I was, let's say, delaying for a second, not only does that have a little bit of implication, but I wasn't taking into account the milliseconds that it was taking to execute my logic and my code and write yeah. to disk. So if that write to disk for some reason took 100 milliseconds, that means that update and the task delay would be 100 or 1,100 <laughs> milliseconds. So, whoa, like a big, another yeah. big issue diagnosing this code is like those beats may not be every second where a timer is going to call that method every second. Yeah. What do you want to or not? So you better be re-entrant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's tricky. So what you were just talking about is a whole different synchronization thing. So the what I was complaining about with the uh, test.delay is that it's you're not guaranteed precision on that delay. You're Mm -hmm. guaranteed an overshoot, but never an undershoot at least. And so if you want to, if you want to do something resembling real time software where you're actually hitting a beat pattern right on the dot, like if you're doing something with audio, I've had to do this, uh, for that, for audio and I circuit. Yeah. 
sorry, uh, and then control loops like robotics. And it just comes up all the time where you got to stay in sync. It's very important. And the only way to do that is with a kind of a feedback loop where you measure exactly how long your software took. You can even measure, uh, if you do it cleverly, how long it takes uh, the latency of the operating system. So you measure how long your code takes, you measure the latency of the operating system, and you can really tune that. And I've I've tuned it down to a couple milliseconds. Let's mm-hmm. say you can get on an operating system like Windows or Mac. That To be clear, were not designed to be real-time operating systems. <laughs> they were designed to keep the mouse moving and the network happening. Uh, those are the priorities. Uh, your app uh, being responsive within a millisecond is different. So what you actually do, if you need that perfect, perfect, perfect world, you undershoot first. So you delay, let's say, like uh, 900 milliseconds. And then you hot spin inside of a loop you don't give your time slice back over to the operating system again you request a higher thread priority but you do it generously so you you kind of like task sleep almost up to the point where you need to be woken up then you wake up and then you hot spin in a loop checking the time on every loop and then you can nail pretty much we'll call it tens of microseconds of accuracy you can probably accomplish that yeah yeah, that makes that makes some sense. It's it's all tricky because when I when I looked at it, I implemented the timer, I did the pull request, I sent out the tweet about how you fix my application because now the CPU is zero. We use the tools, Frank. We were sending Woo-hoo. photos back and forth, and then I love Anthony, graphs. Yeah, I, love- I, I have to say, I, I I just kept saying, Jay's is over there. I'm like, send me pictures, just send me pictures because a picture is worth a thousand words. Like I kept saying, like you kept telling me what the peaks the values were like 13 percent or 15 percent and i'm like james i really don't care what the value is i'm just looking at the shape like the shape tells you everything this this app should be sitting at zero we've talked about a hundred times and in the tweet i'll try to put that in the show notes too is i sent photos and i was like with 300 milliseconds it's like plateaus with 800 milliseconds it's like uh little peaks still kind of running much but with the timer it was near a trace it was just the miniest tiniest bumps running elegantly which it should do and then Mr. Anthony Weiser from the I UK. I was done. I thought done. it was solved. I was like, oh, you know what? We solved James's bug. He can go on to become the billionaire we're all waiting for him to become. And life is good. And then Twitter kicked in. Someone smarter than me showed up on Twitter. <laughs> Someone. Now, here's the cool thing about Anthony. is like Anthony looked at the code. And I appreciate it because... Um, he was like, I don't understand why this change would make any sense. It's the same code. Like something else must be going <laughs> on. And sure enough, there was something else going on because Frank, I over-engineered. You weirdly engineered. <laughs> yeah, you over-engineered. You over-engineered. Over- you over-optimized did. my code. Because here was the problem, Frank, in my mind. Let me. Can I try to explain it? Okay, can I try to explain it? it? Yeah, go for uh, it. The, mm-hmm. This is what I'm guessing was going through your head, and then you can correct me here. So you did identify you're getting these weird hiccups in OBS, basically because of the aliasing issue I mentioned before. Um, but then you put in this wise idea of sampling three times a second, so 300. So you're bing, 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 instead yes. of once a second. And then you're like, but that's wasteful. You know what? Two out of three times, that number is not changing. You know what? I'm going to be an efficient programmer. I'm going to over-optimize the software that needs zero optimization. It's doing nothing, but I'm going to optimize it anyway because I haven't run a profiler and I have no idea what's going on here. So, 
sorry that, that that last part was mean i'm sorry <laughs> and so i'm gonna put in some clever cache invalidation logic and you know what programmers are really good at james anything except cache invalidation we stink at it we stink at detecting data changes it's why we have 8 million mvvm frameworks and swift uis and all that junk because we stink at this stuff and so you hand wrote some oh i'm oversampling therefore i don't want to do any work when i am oversampling but i need to detect when i'm not oversampling even though i know i'm oversampling and you put some code in there and that code had a bug how how close was i my code yeah had a had a had a bug, correct. I had a bug. Can you can you describe that bug now? The bug. Because in general, it's a good idea. Sorry. In, <laughs> in, in general, I was like, hey, I remember, I, this is happening in the loop, in the loop, in the while, and um, not a do not a do while, but a while um, loop uh, in general. So I'm looking and I'm running this puppy, and. I, I I look at the previous time and I see if it's the same as the current time. So, hey, you know, check the seconds, minutes, hours, and days, and everything's hopefully good. And if they're the same, just continue. Just continue. Such, you, you don't need to do Such fine anything. words. Just con- Now, define. What does just continue mean in this instance? Well, Frank, that's that in layers. And, and that, that, <laughs> that, 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 Frank... <laughs> Is the issue because if I was uh, to have do wow and I put the weight first, the, the problem is the weight, the await yeah. delay is at the very bottom. At the bottom. At the bottom. <laughs> and you know what doesn't get hit when you continue? The bottom. <laughs> Anything else afterwards, by the way. So, uh, so can I just say he yes. created in an app that needs to display once a second, needs to write to the disk once a second. He was in a hot loop, like a full-on spinning hot loop. Uh, the CPU had no chance to breathe mm-hmm. because it was checking the date time. And if the seconds hadn't changed, which, you know, it takes about one second for the seconds to change, <laughs> it has to spin in its hot loop. And that's where all your CPUs were going. So whoever uh, emailed you there, well, A, we owe them for two shows worth of content. Sure. But B, that was a good catch on their part. Yeah. So that that's what happened is I was sitting there and sure enough, I, yeah. And that's why we saw that it did spike down because eventually the <laughs> time did change and it did Thank wait goodness. 300 milliseconds. And then it ran again for a full second or it's about 700 everyone, milliseconds. Yeah. Everyone, it was so confusing. Okay. So we're, we're t- okay. It should be a peak and then it should go to zero, but we were seeing the opposite. It was high CPU and then it would peak down to zero. And I'm like, what is going on with this code? Only now does it finally make sense because it was stuck in that hot loop until the seconds actually did change. So it was literally doing the opposite of what it should have yeah. been doing. Uh, you, you would think pizza software like this would just be trivial, but man, it's funny how you can just get yourself into these bugs. It's yeah, it's one of those things where you're just like, when you see it, you're like, why did I do that? What did I say? The, the best bugs are the ones that like, at first you're like, there's no way there's a bug here. And you're like, well, maybe there's a bug here. And then you find the bug and you're like, how did this ever work at all? Like, how, how did any of this work? <laughs> and I love it's those true. bugs. <laughs> it's true. It doesn't make literally any sense at all. It's it's quite amazing. It is absolutely spectacular in general. So, so 
What I did is I used the power of try finally, Frank. Yawn. <laughs> so lame. So lame. It, it, it's a good idea. I think you should still catch your exception here. You don't need to be throwing exceptions inside of a loop. But um, yeah, so I'm assuming you put your test dot delay inside of the finally, which means no matter how you screw up and exit this function, it's going to do its delay. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Yeah. And for you, Frank, <laughs> I will put in the catch and I'll just log it to disk and not do anything. Just so you're happy. I'm doing it right now. I, I just, UI apps shouldn't crash, everyone. It's just a rule. Um, Yeah, I, you know what? I got to say, I still prefer the timer uh, for the, all the reasons I mentioned previously. I think that although tasks are plenty good at being in a loop, they were certainly designed to be okay in that scenario with a test.delay. It's fine. They even have that. Uh, long running flag, I believe you're supposed to send to the factory to let it know that you're creating a task that runs for a long time. And I am. All that's good. Good for you. Um, so it is designed for all this. It's fine. But me, myself, and I, uh, when given a simple thing that's obviously made for timers, I use timers. <laughs> so here's, so here's, so this solves the problem. Try, you know, the try. So Anthony, thank you. You did catch my bra- problem. And I got it and I got it working. And then I did another optimization because I was like, you know what? I've solved one over-engineer problem. How can I over-engineer this other thing? (laughs) Because Frank told me that I'm going to get this drift in time in general. So what I'm doing, which I don't need to do at all. This is completely stupid. But (laughs) I'm, I'm seeing how long it takes to run the the method basically yeah yeah and and i'm probably not even doing it correct but what i end up doing is i say at the at the end take a look at the current ticks and right before you task that delay compare yourself to the current ticks now and i have to do a time span from ticks grab the milliseconds and then i take that 1000 millisecond wait and i subtract however long it takes in general which by the way is about three milliseconds which means it really doesn't actually matter in any sense, but maybe. But I, I, I wanted to fix the sliding time delay issue that potentially could come up in general. And you had a fancy yeah. name for that. Oh, um, I don't know which one I use because there's a lot of names for all this stuff. Uh, but you, you're, you have an out of phase signal and your phase is moving. That's because you have an unforeseen yep delay every time so you you are move your phase angle with respect to the actual signal the actual signal is the real-time clock on the pc which has a second counter going tick 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 you want to be in sync with that you are not in sync with that but worse with your little drift your out of syncness changed (laughs) randomly (laughs) so on multiple angles you're out of sync now the problem is okay so that's a good idea Uh, We do that in controls all the time to compensate for how long the control loop versus all that other stuff. You found that your loop is only taking three milliseconds, which makes perfect sense. It's not doing very much. The problem is the scheduler latency, the task scheduler latency, I guarantee you is much higher than three milliseconds. So you should also be measuring that. 
Mm. You should be measuring when I tell it 800 milliseconds, how long did it actually take for it to come back to me? And that will tell you the latency of the operating system. And that's going to be somewhere more between 10 milliseconds and 20 milliseconds. And that does not matter how good your computer is. The world's fastest supercomputer will give you the same answers. It's baked into the operating systems, the way the scheduler works with the operating systems. One more time, not real-time operating systems. So (laughs) uh, you're always going to have that kind of problem. All of that said, um, probably won't notice too much in the app as long as you're compensating for one or the other. You really should be compensating for both. You are compensating for what we would call the bandwidth of the system, Hmm. but you need to be compensating for the latency of the system also. You always have to compensate for both in a a time-based system. Or you could just switch over to timers. (laughs) Or... (laughs) (laughs) Or, Frank, which is what I may do, is you told me, what if you, now that my code is fixed, technically it's fixed, Frank, Mm -hmm. what if I just updated and I only awaited, or I did a delay of instead of every second, every 100 milliseconds? Yeah, that one I like a lot more. And this one will, this one is for the OCD people like me out there. <laughs> uh, in the upper right of my Mac, I have the system time, but I have it showing the seconds. So I see mm-hmm. like a 14, 15. I know exactly where the computer's clock is at. And if I have any kind of time app and its clock is not in sync <laughs> with the real-time clock of the operating system, it drives me a little bit batty. And since um, your algorithm is basically doing nothing, it takes three milliseconds and a good chunk of that is probably it just waking up, yes. uh, I really do believe that you should be uh, sampling at the higher frequency. Uh, 10 times a second is probably definitely overkill, but um, that would visually put you in sync with the system clock. I, I mention all of this because it's always been a frustration of mine, basically with POSIX and even um, VMS or whatever it was that Windows copied, whatever the NT kernel is based on. None of them give user mode software a way to synchronize with the real-time clock. There are some deep down ugly driver things where you can ask for a callback at very specific times according to the synchronized clock. And I have to make a distinction here because this is very different from video games, which need very accurate time measurements, but they don't need to be synchronized with the system clock. It just doesn't matter. You know, most software does not need to be synchronized with the system clock. In your case, I think it would be nice. (laughs) Uh, But unfortunately, the operating systems don't really give you a nice way to do this. .NET definitely doesn't give you a nice way to do this. You can do it through a, a multitude of hacks. None of those would ever work on iOS or anything like that. So don't even bother. Instead, sample. 10 times a second and try to get the uh yeah. try to get the transition so i have implemented this and what i do is i write to council every every time i await so i want to make sure that i should see 10 awaits <laughs> in the time and then i do another one that says write like how often am i writing to the disk and that should be once every second right so ideally it should be like time to time, time oh it changed boom and let me tell you frank now that we've fixed now, now that I know how to profile with diagnostic tools and we've applied Anthony's fix and we've applied your fix, which implements the once every 
you know, 100 milliseconds, the CPU usage, Frank, is zero. And (laughs) it is updating elegantly and only writing to disk once every second. And that's the most important part is only writing to disk every second while still being performant. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. You really don't want to beat on the disk there. It was definitely worse in the old days when he had spinning disks, but you still don't want to be writing to the disk that often. Even databases try not to write to the disk that often. So good for you. Good for you. And even the the disk write doesn't even count as CPU time. Uh, Usually that doesn't show up in the profiles. Mm. So that's doubly excellent. They're not counting there. The great way, if you really want to know how good your display is going, um, log to a different file or append to the file, run it for a couple days, and make sure you never lose a second. Like that's what a and have to do. You would actually have to take a trace for a few days and demonstrate. You know, run the experiment. Am I ever missing a second? Now, in your case, I I think it's okay if you miss one second out of, you know. A thousand, maybe one out of a hundred. I don't know what your actual chances are going to be, but yeah. you're you're still going to have aliasing. No, I take that back. If you're sampling at ten hertz, you're fine. You're fine. You're going to catch every one of those right. seconds. It's perfect, James. Ship it now. The 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 reason I will I will say this, and we'll kind of close out here. That I decided to go with this route versus the timer is for some reason. I don't know if it's some threading thing or if it's something else. I was getting it where OBS was blanking out the the timer, so I don't know. There's some thing happening there and I'm not sure what's up where in this one it seems to be smoother but again OBS is looking at a file and so many things and locks and other things can happen <laughs> in the monitoring I don't know what happened let me ask you one more question Frank mm-hmm. line that will only write stuff to the the output if it's in debug correct Yes. Well, if the debug flag is present, the capital D bug flag, oh. it, it really is that simple. Um, if you look at the API, it has an attribute on it, and that attribute says um, debug conditional. That attribute means oh. the capital debug um, compiler flag needs to be set. So Whoa. it's not like what is your build setting. It's really what is the capitals? What is Whoa. the... Wah, wah, what there's a conditional attribute that you can add to methods <laughs> what oh i'm sorry welcome to .NET 1.0 yeah babe. wow this is yeah hey you got partial methods let me tell you about conditional methods these are even more complicated yeah so any ape any method you have you can put the conditional attribute on and you give it one of those um what why am i blanking on the the defines the define thing the yeah. if things you know you give it one of those if that if things not defined then that all calls to that function disappear wow <laughs> so it has to return void i'm pretty sure it has to return void it does yeah. um and i don't remember if the i think the argument evaluation is disabled also wow. so be careful with it um but it, the whole idea is so that you don't have to put a million if defs throughout your code. Wow. And this is going to come up really importantly in um, Maui uh, uh, cross-platform programming, because this is a good way to just say this function only exists on uh, Android or something like that. Wow. This is amazing. Um, wow. 
Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a powerful one. <laughs> that's a super powerful one. I love it. Um, I just learned about this and it's cool because it's there. System, uh, system out right the right line council right line that that'll always output it to to disk. So yeah, and on iOS that uses NS logging. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Um, I've now shipped my other update that d- has all the fixes <laughs> with the sliding one millisecond or one second. I'm going to do another update, you know, <laughs> which you know we'll do the this one, but I'll I'll seek more seek more bugs out. But sure enough, we fixed the problem. We've diagnosed the problem. And thanks to at least one of my Twitter followers. I don't know if anybody's <laughs> a listener, but thank you if you are. And thanks to you, Frank, for helping me solve this. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. This has been super fun. And we like literally solved the problem. Now, here's the thing. It has been a problem for at least four to five months and no one's noticed yeah. it. So yeah. there's that. So I, I, I blame Slack and all the terrible chromium software that we all run like we all just look at our idle cpu and we're like ah it's under 50 percent good enough good um enough. it's kind of pathetic like I'm, I'm looking at my idle cpu right now and there's three apps taking out 10 percent it's it's not good you know computers have gotten so fast that we programmers are allowed to get away with some laziness here. Yeah, look, Google. Okay, well, we're recording a podcast. 35%. (laughs) But there's another like 13% of Chrome just sitting there doing nothing. It's called the Chrome background do nothing service. And it's 13%. Dropbox is taking up 10% right now doing absolutely nothing. I'm not doing anything with files right now. So all that's to say is uh, use that Visual Studio profiler thing. It's awesome. (laughs) Make sure your app is at zero all the time, (laughs) please. Yeah, so good. All right, well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks to you, Frank. Thanks for everybody who helped out here. I super appreciate it. But that is going to do it for this overly optimized episode of Merge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.